I've had dogs. You have? Doggy Chow. Oh, I used to love Doggy Chow. <laughs> I used to love Doggy Chow too. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Girl Blogger, the podcast. Actually, yeah, episode two. And my name is Brett Collins. I didn't introduce myself in the first episode, which. Maybe I should have, but yeah, if anyone, if you somehow found this podcast and you're not following me on Instagram, please follow me on Instagram, at Brett Collins, it's just my name. You know, I just post a bunch of silly nonsense of just nostalgic fun. You know, it's all like kind of slutty, kind of mindless, but also very satisfying and just, you know, things we want to see every day, whether it be, you know... Devin Aoki and some old photo shoot or, um, you know, kind of some uh, weird, sexy, funny scene you forgot from a movie in the 90s. So that's what I'm here for. Anyway, this episode's going to be a little different from that first episode where I was focusing solely on Anna Nicole's fascinating documentary. I mean, I still just can't stop thinking about it. Was Anna Nicole a lesbian? We'll never know. We won't ever know. But I also didn't mention in that first episode how I'm a little creeped out by Danny Lynn, her daughter's relationship with Larry. Like, they have a joint Instagram, which I find to be a bit sus, and they're just always together. I think she's like 16 now. I don't know. I just feel like she's growing out of that type of dynamic, yet they're still very much doing that. Maybe it's just for the public and he's just very protective of her so that's why he does that I don't know I get kind of a weird vibe from it but anyway moving on from Anna Nicole love her but you know we're talking about different things today oh god to start off padam padam I mean how did I ever live without this song this song is all I think about it's all I've been thinking about it's all that's in my head I just, it's just so fucking good. Yeah, for anyone that hasn't somehow heard this song yet, Queen Kylie Minogue has released a new single called Padam Padam. And it's funny because before releasing it, everyone is like, what the fuck is that? What does Padam Padam mean? Like, is that a different language? Is that something I should know about but don't? Turns out it's quite simple. I was reading in this article. It's really just an onomatopoeia for the sound of a heartbeat. Padam padam. You make my heart go padam padam. And if you heard the song, you get it now. It makes sense in the context of the song. But like, oh, it's just, I just could talk about this forever. Like, it's so hypnotic. And like, it really is just like a trance-like song, in the, especially in the chorus. And it just feels so good. Like, it just energizes me so much. And it made me realize this is the best pop song I have heard in years. Okay, just a little info about the song. It was written by Anna Roldson and Peter Rycroft and produced by Lost Boy. Don't know who any of those people are, but just want to give them credit for their amazing work because, and obviously Kylie, because... I mean, it's just, we really needed this. We really did. And I think they originally got inspiration for this song 
from a different song that was also called Padam Padam by Edith Piaf, a French singer who sang Padam Padam in 1951. It's a totally different song and it's in French. However, the vibe and the energy of it, you can tell was definitely on the, you know, mood board, inspo board for this Kylie Minogue Padam Padam song. And I mean, if you guys have not heard this song yet, like pull the car over, throw away the baby monitor, like it's time to listen. Pause this podcast and fucking listen to Padam Padam. Or better yet, pause this podcast, go on YouTube and watch the video that has also been dropped, her music video for this. And the music video is also just so amazing. Like, it doesn't have the biggest budget or, like, the most production value, but it's just incredible. Like, so she's in this, like, full red look. It's giving, like, Russian dominatrix vibes. All of her looks are red. Red is just kind of, like, the color of the, you know, the theme of the music video, really. She's in a few different red looks. They're all very, like, kind of BDSM dominatrix giving a bit of a Julia Fox energy for sure. Actually, you know what the most is? It's very much giving Katinka whatever from Zoolander, the Mila Jovovich character. She's like uh, Will Ferrell's Mugatu's sidekick, if you remember her. it's She was definitely on the mood and inspo board for uh, this music video for sure because definitely giving that. Also very much giving Katya the... Uh, um, the drag queen, one of my favorite drag queens ever. If you somehow l- listen to this or follow my page and don't know who Katya is, she of course was on RuPaul's Drag Race, does a ton of work with another amazing drag queen, Trixie Mattel. They have a great podcast called Bald and the Beautiful, and they have like this hilarious YouTube show as well that's similar to a podcast, but like there's great visuals that go with it, so I'd recommend that as well. But anyway, Katya is very Russian dominatrix vibes as well. So, like, that's why this video is reminding me of her, too. And, God, it's just so good. Like, the song, it reminds me of the movie Josie and the Pussycats. How, like, if you've seen that movie, again, if you're listening to this podcast and you somehow haven't seen Josie and the Pussycats, like, pause that, listen to Padam Padam, and then fucking put on Josie and the Pussycats. But in the movie, it's all about how, like, the music, there's, like, these... Uh, subconscious subliminal messages being pushed through uh, the music and it's like possessing people to buy certain things well Padam Padam is certainly possessing me in some subconscious way I'm certain of it because I just can't stop thinking about it and then this really got me going on like kind of a Kylie Jenner and oh fuck not Kylie Jenner Kylie Minogue uh, you know K-hole where I was just looking up all her stuff and I was like god not that I ever forgot that Kylie Minogue was like an OG girly pop queen but I really just like you know am reminded by just how good she is and just how much she's really served us through the years like if you look at her Vogue uh, life and looks hers is honestly like one of the best like there's just so many iconic looks that she has served in her music videos and just on the red carpet just in in her life one of my favorites is if you watch the slow music video where there's like a ton of aerial shots they're all like lying down in the sexy pool doing these like slow movements a lot of the models are all in just like speedos or bikinis and uh, I feel like Kylie has really used a lot of like hot naked men in her music videos I mean a lot of 
pop queens have, I guess. But, like, for some reason, I really feel like she makes a note of them. And there's a lot in the slow video, which I love. And she's wearing this, like, Balenciaga blue color-blocked mini dress. It's just the best vibe ever. And it's, like, honestly one of my fave videos of all time, music videos of all time. It's just kind of unparalleled. Like, they're really just not doing it like that anymore. And another one that was so amazing that I somehow forgot about but was happily reminded is the spinning around video that she did where she wears this like skimpy little gold Stella McCartney top and then she pairs it with these epic gold hot pants that ruch right up the center back of the ass so it's just like full ass cheeks out. And her ass is amazing, and they do, like, a really tight shot of it in the music video. And she's just, like, basically grinding on the bar and just spinning around, as she should, you know. And apparently those hot pants, the gold hot pants she wears in that video, are now in a museum in Australia. And, yeah, in Melbourne. And they're behind bulletproof glass because, I mean, those are more important than the Mona Lisa, if you ask me and then of course there's the white jumpsuit that she wears a lot of people think it's a dress but it's a jumpsuit in the can't you get can't get you out of my head video which she says is inspired by grace jones because there's like a little hood in it there's just this amazing choreography yeah kylie is just a girly that gets it fuck yeah so i mean what run don't walk to go listen to Padam Padam immediately. Again, if you haven't already paused and listened, you really need to do that. Like, put the baby down and Padam Padam. Yeah, that's kind of, that's going to be my new response to everything now. Padam Padam. Okay, moving on from that amazing, you know, that's going to go down in history, that song. Uh, moving on from that, let's talk about something else, like the Cannes Film Festival from Kylie fashion to Cannes fashion. The Cannes Film Festival, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of adjacent to the Met Gala now where it's just like everyone shows up to serve looks, you know, and it's and it's just this big event and big production. And the original reason why people go is no longer really relevant. It's all just about who's there and what they're wearing. And I guess the Met Gala has always had that element and so has Cannes, but I feel like especially obviously with social media and just over the past few years for some reason it's really just been amplified like the focus on it is just crazy but there always has been so let's revisit some gorgeous can moments from the past one of which which I still love but it's just so beat to death on social media like I don't know what algorithm you have on your Instagram but this will still show up on your explore page especially if you follow me probably is the photos of Monica Bellucci wearing the Dolce Gabbana, like kind of like, I think it's like a city printed. It's like a gold beige yellow tone uh, dress with sleeves and it's kind of a wrap in the front. And she's kind of like pushing back her hair, like giving a bit of like a sexy Sharon Stone type pose. And those photos are just like all over. I mean, it's Monica, Monica Bellucci and she looks incredible but I just kind of wish they weren't as reposted as they are because it kind of takes away from it. Oh, and also, if you're not familiar with Monica wearing it somehow, Kendall Jenner wore a reiteration of this dress when they, when Courtney did that 
uh, wedding of hers that was basically just like a giant Dolce & Gabbana brand launch um, because, as we all know, everyone was wearing Dolce there. And, yeah, Kendall was wearing the dress that was originally worn by Monica, or a version of it, a very similar version. I don't know if it was the exact same dress. And then another amazing standout moment is the model Eva Erzegova, I believe I'm pronouncing that right, at Cannes, where she's in this, like, black, like, BDSM, like, hot pants, like, corset outfit. I think she might even be holding, like, a whip or something. But Helmut Newton took these, like, amazing photographs of her, and she's just, like, looking like a queen slut. And I don't even, that's the other thing, is, like, I don't really know why a lot of people are there at Cannes. Obviously, the majority of people are there to promote films that they're in. But I think, are a lot of people just invited? Because I don't think all of these models are in films. And apparently the trend of models coming has stemmed all the way from the 90s, so... Are they all associated somehow? Are they just invited as guests to add like a little pizzazz to the red carpet? I don't know. I should look into that. But whatever. Like Eva Erzugova was there and that was a definite moment in time. Like those Helmut Newton photos are pretty legendary. And then of course, another one that's really overly circulated on Instagram, but it's still so amazing is when Pamela Anderson was promoting barbed wire and she arrived on a fucking yacht like that was so good and i feel like that was a early yacht arrival like did pam start that trend maybe not but i mean that was a while ago so she was definitely one of the first and she's just wearing like that black bustier look she has the black sunglasses the black gloves i think gloves are a very yeah common trend i'm seeing at the Cannes film festival for sure and um yeah, fun fact about Barbed Wire and Pam in that movie and just that overall look is that they were originally gonna stencil or, like, you know, airbrush or paint on that Barbed Wire tattoo. But Pam, just being the charitable queen that she is, she was like, they're gonna, ha- they were gonna have to do the makeup on my arm every day. So I just had a tattoo arm sketch it on me and I see how I liked it for a day. And then I just decided to get it permanently for the movie. Like, she deserves some kind of award for that. Like, talk about commitment. That is method acting. I saw that in, like, a tweet somewhere, and they're right. Like, I don't see other actors getting fucking tattoos for roles that they're portraying. Like, that's a really serious actress, if you ask me. Anyways, we all know Pam doesn't have the tattoo anymore. She got it removed in 2014, but... Yeah, it's still just, like, pretty iconic. Just the fact that, like, Pam was, like, a star arriving in uh, the Cannes Film Festival at a certain point in time was pretty pretty amazing. That makes me very happy. All right, moving on to this current year at uh, the Cannes Film Festival. Since there's so many fucking people there, I can't even keep it straight, so I can't talk about everyone, like... That would just that would have to be a whole episode, and I don't think it would be it's worth dedicating a whole episode to the Cannes Film Festival. However, I'll just go through some of my favorite looks. Velvet Coke posted pretty much all the ones I agree with her are some of my favorites. So these are some from her list that I also agree with that I really loved. Elle Fanning and Paco Rabanne. God, Elle Fanning really just comes in with the surprises sometimes, and I really shouldn't be surprised because she's always looking pretty fucking fabulous as is Anne Hathaway 
you know, Anne Hathaway, who knew that she would kind of be like our go-to fashion girly these days? Like she has this Versace um, contract, it seems. So she's always slaying in their looks. But yeah, anyway, so Elle Fanning's wearing this Paco Rabanne look. It's like classic Paco Rabanne kind of, it's not their chainmail, but it's like, you know, like things linked together. It's kind of like a metallic feather look almost. It's like a long column skirt. But then the top bustier or like, bra part of it is it reminds me of this like Todd Oldham bra that uh Naomi Campbell wore on the runway one time where it's literally just like the outline wires of a bra and then there's like these gems that stem up from the underwire of the bra and the gems cover her nipples so it's pretty scandalous and amazing and I have some other funny scandalous little stories about Elle Fanning well the first one isn't that scandalous but there's this like piece of shit LA fitness um that's nearby me I think it's like getting redone but anyway there's like it's funny there's two LA fitnesses near me there's one in Universal City that's the nice one and then there's one down the street on Ventura that's like the dumpster garbage one anyway I used to go to the dumpster garbage one because it was like significantly closer to my house and it was just out of convenience and I would randomly see Elle Fanning there like you know getting it on the Stairmaster and I would just think to myself, like, gosh, like, why is she here? But, I mean, maybe for that reason. She's like, oh, no one's going to recognize me at this, like, garbage LA Fitness. Like, I'll just hide out here. And, uh, but she really did stand out. Like, that skin is porcelain in person. And then another, this is the scandalous Elle Fanning story. Not to throw her under the bus, but this was years ago. I don't even know. It was probably, like, 2015, 2016. A while ago, we were at 7-Eleven in the valley and probably hungover or something, me and some friends, and in walks Elle Fanning with a boy, and they bought condoms. So, yeah, Elle Fanning was getting it in back then. Probably still is. But she was being, you know, she was being smart about it, being productive. So, you know, get it, girl. And the guy was hot, so had no idea who he was. I don't know if he was a celeb or an actor or what, but... Yeah, Elle Fanning was getting the D, so we love that. And we love this Paco Rabanne look she wore. Okay, moving on to one of my other favorites, the Lily Rose Depp, of course, in Chanel. First, I just have to go off, where the fuck were you, Lily Rose, at the Met Gala? Like, this was your Met Gala. It was Karl Lagerfeld, basically a Chanel theme, and she's had this blood oath with Chanel for years, I think really exclusively wears Chanel when she goes to events. I'm not sure I've ever seen her in something different, and I don't remember if I have. But, uh, yeah, where the fuck were you? Anyway, she looked great. It was, like, the thing about Chanel is, like, they don't really have, like, full gown serves, like a Versace or a Gucci or even, like, Dior or just so many other brands. Like, they really do, like, a lot of separates and mini dresses, which we've seen on Lily Rose. And, uh, of course, on Kristen Stewart. But, um, yeah, Lily Rose, she looked great. It was, like, this little sequin number, and she had these mesh gloves that really, I think, added a lot. I think it was, uh, oh, yes, it was a throwback to a 90s Christy Turlington runway look. I wonder if it was the real archival piece or if it was a recreation. But it was very cute. Of course, she looked amazing. She was, she was there promoting the idol. I have a feeling that show could be a shit show. And, like, I don't think The Weeknd can act. But... You know, maybe we'll be all wrong. I mean, it is the Sam Levinson, right? The Euphoria guy, creator. So hopefully he doesn't disappoint. 
apparently there was some pretty raunchy footage um, when they talked about the premiere of that, so we'll get to see that. Jenny, who's a co-star, the girl from Blackpink, she also was wearing Chanel, and she looked pretty cute, too. So, like, kudos to them. Honestly, the best is I saw some Instagram video of her just, like, walking out of whatever venue they were at, like, smoking a cig in her Chanel look. And I'm like, oh, Lily Rose. Like, she's just cool, you know? Definitely. I mean, she's such a tumbler. Anyone who's listening to this, I'm sure you're a Lily Rose stan. Okay, and then obviously Natalie Portman looked incredible. She was wearing a recreation of this Dior, like, I forget, there's a specific name for the dress. Like, the dress is named, and it's one of their most iconic dresses, but it's basically just, like, an extremely elaborate, beautiful uh, dress that very much looks like a blooming flower, like, each there's a ton of panels that overlap each other perfectly and it just looks like this stunning flower thing and of course Natalie Portman is just perfect so you can't really go wrong like has Natalie Portman ever looked like ass on the red carpet I don't think so like no one's like oh Natalie looked like a dog last night no she always looks amazing I feel like she's kind of like a Nicole Kidman in that sense where it's like Maybe they've had, like, one or two fashion missteps, but it's them. So, like, how bad could it have been, you know? Uh, moving on from Natalie. Oh, Isabel Goulart in Laquan Smith. It's this red number that she, it's, like, there's, like, a thong exposed in the back, which I feel like has been done a lot. But this was, like, kind of a new interpretation of it that I thought was really cool. It was kind of giving, like, a... Terry Mugler vibes, which is kind of like Laquan Smith. I love his stuff so much. He does a lot of great things that a ton of people have uh, worn, but you might not know it's him because he's kind of a newer designer. He's been around for a while, and his stuff is always on red carpets. So yeah, get familiar with Laquan Smith for sure. And Isabel Goulart is also like kind of an underrated fashion girly. Like she really serves it up. Like if you ever want to do a deep dive on like a certain hot girl with great fashion. Look at what Isabel Goulart has worn on the red carpets. She's kind of a, she's like Alessandra Ambrosia's uh, semi-twin in the Victoria's Secret fashion shows. Like, I think people forget about her sometimes, but she's fucking great. And her body is killer. Like, I remember she wore this Anthony Vaccarello black dress to who even knows what event it was. But, like, that was, like, the background on my phone for years. She just looked so fucking good. It was, like, this black dress that you would wear to, like, your nemesis funeral or something because it was, like, minimal but, like, the most extra. Like, her full leg was out. It was so good. And then my last favorite look, I think, was just Jennifer Lawrence in this, like, red Dior dress. It was kind of, like, a similar silhouette to Natalie's dress but definitely more simple. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely giving Padam Padam vibes with the full red moment. I think she had a red lip with it, too. She was cute. I don't know. Jen I feel like we haven't seen Jennifer Lawrence in a while, so that was fun to have see her there. Like, I feel like she's kind of been not in the spotlight for a minute, and she was so oversaturated there for a couple of years, just, like, constantly being berated with Jennifer Lawrence movies, which is great because she's a fantastic actress. But, you know, maybe, yeah, it was smart of her to, like, pull away for a minute, and now she's, like, surprising us all by being hot again and I did see a photo that apparently she was wearing like flip-flops under the dress which I feel like is very her to be like 
oh, like, I'm so hot and glamorous, but also, like, remember, guys, like, I'm a real girl, and, like, I'm silly, and I wear flip-flops under my Dior gown, which, with a lot of people, I feel like could be a kind of try-hard pick-me-girl vibe, but I do feel like it's authentic to Jennifer Lawrence, so, like, we love that. Like, that's that's cute that she wore, like, Javianas under her Dior. Good for you. Um, someone that, like, I wouldn't go as far to say she looked bad, However, it was definitely a choice. She's been having a lot of choice looks lately, and that is Arena Shake. I wonder if this is, like, kind of from her mind or if she's, like, got just going with whatever her stylist is, like, really putting before her because she's really taking some, you know, risks or just, like, very interesting choices. She's wearing this, like, strappy... It's, like, separates. There's, like, a skirt that's, like, kind of like a mermaid skirt... And then there's, like, a strappy wraparound halter top, kind of the same silhouette that, like, Christina Aguilera wore that scarf top to the, I think, the VMAs. Like, we've all seen that video. You know what I'm talking about. It's, like, that silhouette of a top with a matching skirt, and it's, like, a vinyl, or maybe it's, like, a patent leather material. It's very kind of, like, punkish. Like, it's very edgy, but, like, her makeup and hair wasn't styled super edgy. So, I don't know. It was just, like... A very interesting choice. It was very Julia Fox. However, if Julia Fox was wearing it, I'm sure she'd be wearing her, like, crazy eye makeup and, like, wet hair and, like, you know, just making it a whole, like, kind of avant-garde art look where, like, Arena was just kind of, like, wearing the outfit. What's the designer? Did I say it's called Mawalola? That's who designed this look. So I've never heard of them in my life, but maybe she'll, you know, get some good press for them. Yeah, she was wearing that look, but then I also just saw, I think today, she was wearing this, like, basically a full sheer dress that had some, like, jewels around the neckline, and I think there was gloves, but then it's fully sheer mesh, and you can see, it must be Gucci, because I can see the Gucci logo in this, like, thong bralette, and, um, it's a thong bralette set underneath the sheer mesh dress that you can see completely through, so... That was also a very interesting choice. That was kind of a serve, though. Like, she looked amazing in that, and it was super hot, but it was also, like, you're naked, you know? So it's like, is this... What is uh, the methodology behind this? Like, is she trying to make Bradley Cooper jealous? Is is she just having fun? I don't know. But it's definitely raising some eyebrows and making me question it. So, you know, she's given us something to talk about. Also, with her Arena Shake to the Met Gala, bring it back to that, she wore, I believe, a Yamamoto dress. It was kind of fitting for Chanel, but it was very kind of, you know, Yamamoto, like, um, very ornate, like, kind of a lot of things going on at the dress. I don't even know how to describe it. But uh, she was wearing flats, which was the key kind of crazy part of the outfit because everyone knew that Carl was not a fan of that, especially with formal wear. So was that, like, a jab at Carl? Like, was it, like, a F you? I wasn't sure. But then that made me think about it even more when she wore sweatpants to an after part, to the after party as her after party look. And we all know that Carl hated sweatpants. He was quoted, I think, multiple times saying that, like, oh, people that wear sweatpants, it's like, oh, I gave up and bought some sweatpants. So that was a big fashion no-no for Mr. Lagerfeld. 
yet she chose to wear that to an after party. So did she just like hate Karl Lagerfeld or is this like a cute tongue in cheek joke? I don't know, but I need answers, Arena. Like, not to be a bitch, but like, I really didn't think she was like smart enough or didn't seem smart enough based on what I've seen of her to like really like have that much thought into things. But maybe she is. Maybe she's just a full on genius. So yeah, she's really giving us something to talk about. Oh, she also wore that like all leather kind of menswear look to a different Met Gala, which was very surprising. I feel like that's what started her like, um, now like several looks of just surprises. Like her styling is definitely unique now. So maybe it's a good thing. I don't know, but I wouldn't say that it was on my best dress list. If anyone gives a fuck about my best dress list. Anyway, moving on to a different fashion story, Lodovic de Saint-Cernin, um, who I, <laughs> sorry if I just butchered your name, Lodovic, um, he and I are actually, he's an amazing designer, he has his own label under his name, and I think it launched three years ago, maybe a little longer or maybe a little shorter, but yeah, several years ago. And it's incredible. I love all of his stuff. It's very, yeah, like minimalist, but extra like the silhouettes and everything. It's very provocative, very sexy. And yeah, it's just great for, you know, if you're trying to turn out a look on a carpet for sure. Like a lot of people have worn his stuff. The Kardashians have worn his stuff, you know, just any like current it girl should definitely be be in any of his outfits anyway the reason i'm bringing him up not only because we're instagram friends but he recently uh took over at and Meester as their creative director and uh that was pretty exciting because it was like oh she was always kind of like a gothic like kind of like rick owens type of designer where like I loved a lot of her stuff, but some of it was just, like, a little too weird and, like, a little too, like, kooky, like, artsy, rich woman, where, like, there was kind of, like, a very niche um, market for Andemuel Meester, and uh, when he signed on as creative director, that was exciting because, I, oh, I also wouldn't describe Andemuel Meester as really the sexiest brand before, however, I liked, like, a lot of the, like, fabrics and overall aesthetic of it so I was excited to see that Lodovic was the new creative director because I thought he would bring a really sexy element to it which he did and he only designed one season before stepping down so he is no longer the creative director of Andemulemeester and no one knows exactly why quote from fashionnetwork.com the reasons for the separation were not disclosed, nor has any successor been named. So we don't even know who's going to be the creative director next. But I do want to say that the one show he did do for Andy Mulemeister was incredible. I fucking loved it so much. It was a lot of, like, skirts. It really uh, held true to the DNA of Andy Mulemeister, but modernizing it and updating it and making it just very of the moment and very true to him. You could tell there was a lot of influence from his own line and aesthetic in the brand. But uh, yeah, it was just like sexy and hot. And uh, one look that everyone will remember is Hunter Schaefer wore one of the runway looks to this past year's Vanity Oscars party. It was this like white satiny skirt, kind of like, again, like a mermaid skirt. Uh, and all she was wearing as a top was this like 
very strategically placed feather. I want to know if that feather was kind of like, you know, if there was some sort of material to kind of make it harden so it was almost like a piece of jewelry. And it's basically like taped to her boobs. So all you can really see is this like beautiful white feather kind of like a jewelry piece covering her tits and then this white satin skirt. And that was uh, Ludovic's, from Ludovic's uh, collection for Andam and Mulemeister. And that was just so incredible. It was definitely my favorite look from the Vanity Fair Oscar party this year. That was just epic. And also Hunter Schaefer wore that amazing Rick Owens dress, I think the previous year. It was like an all denim gown with very like choice uh, editorial hair she did. It was like really sexy. It was kind of giving like Zelda from like that video. I mean, she very much looks like that. But uh, yeah, it's, I guess that's just really um, Hunter's vibe, you know, is kind of like sexy, edgy goth girl. Which I could have seen her in more and Mulemeister designed by Ludovic, but apparently we're sadly not going to see that anymore. So yeah, he stepped down and we don't know why. If I had to guess, it's because I think I heard he got some pushback for the one show he did. People were saying that it was misogynistic because a lot of the female models like weren't even really wearing tops. They were kind of just wearing these like scarf things that like covered their boobs or it was just like very unconventional tops. But like whatever, like it was hot and amazing. And I think Kendall Jenner also wore a look of his to like some event. I don't know what the event was, but she definitely wore one of those Andrew Mulemeister looks as well and looked amazing. So it's like he was getting these looks on all the right people and getting the brand a lot of good press. So I don't know what happened. Oh, my guess is that maybe they, whoever's on the board owners of Anna Demilmeister were trying to push him into get away from what his original vision was or something. So he decided to leave because maybe he didn't want to be pushing something he didn't want to do. Who knows? But anyway, we'll still have a lot of his, um, you know, we'll see if him, his own collection go on for seasons to come. So we'll still have him in that sense, which honestly is the best because that's his brand and he'll be able to do whatever the hell he wants with that. Okay. Moving on from that fashion story, kind of transitioning to other fashion, but like a little different. I know I'm a little late on this, but the And Just Like That season two teaser trailer. As we all know, the first season of and just like that was a shit show. That being said, I was on the edge of my seat to watch every new episode every week. Like, I could not get enough of it. But, um, you know, I just, I don't know. Like, it was just such a mess. Like, the tone of it was obviously the whole format of the show was different. Um, there was no Carrie voiceovers except for the very end, the most notable, the first episode when she just says, and just like that, Big died which was pretty jarring. But um, yeah, it's funny. There's this one, Evan Ross Katz. If you don't follow him on Instagram, he's great. If you follow me, you probably do follow him. But uh, he posted this one news article. I don't even know what the news article was about, but the headline was, it was harrowing, but then I had fun. And underneath it, he wrote, this is how I felt watching and just like that. And I'm like, oh my God, nothing could capture it better because it was harrowing. It was so kind of unsettling to go through that whole season with what it was um, and it being so drastically different from the original series and from the movies and they clearly were just like trying to be as so woke as possible 
So it was just a lot to take in, as we all know. That being said, I, of course, am going to be watching season two. This new teaser trailer, like, was really, you know, I'm glad that it's out. And I'm glad that they uh, made the distinction that it's just a teaser, thus meaning I assume we're going to get a full trailer. Because we already kind of got a lot in this. Like, I could have seen this being the full trailer, but apparently not. We're hopefully going to get another trailer because this was just the teaser. And uh, I will say, off the bat, it looks like there's some improvement. It could just be harrowing, yet fun, like the first season. But I don't know. This one just seems a lot lighter. It seems like a little bit more true to like the trailers when I saw them for the films. Just kind of like fun, escapist, whatever. Hopefully they take that into account. There's a minimal Che in the uh, trailer, which I'm happy about because, I mean, again, Che Diaz, like, whoa, that was just so abrasive in that first season. Like, it was just doing too much. Like, I don't need to, like, go in into, like, defending Che or whatever. Like, here's my biggest issue with Che is whether it be the writing, whether it be Sarah as an actress or an actor, um, it's hard to tell. But Che was not funny. And that was the big issue, is that Che was supposed to be funny, but Che was not funny. So with that, you get awkward moments of like forced actor or forced laughter from the actors and confused faces from the audience. Like, not only, it, what stands out to me is not only was that comedy concert not funny at all, and the fact that they called it a comedy concert, but to me, one part that stands out is, if anyone remembers the part in the episode where, like, Miranda's making herself a drink while listening to the podcast, and Che, like, says several jokes that just, like, they're not really cringe per se, but they're just not LOL funny. But there Miranda is like lolling in her kitchen, making this Negroni or whatever. And it's like, oh God, it's just so sad because you can see that Cynthia Nixon is like, and she is such a good actress, but like just like forcing herself to like build up this laugh to something that's just not funny. And it's like, Che. Uh, so hopefully like they kind of like phase out Che is what I'm hoping. Because I think it would be weird to just like, completely cut Che out from the get-go like they need to explain some things but hopefully Che fades away and yeah oh god and there's also the posters they released for this those were released more recently and it's The Last Supper which was kind of weird to me because does that mean that this is the final season I feel like that's a theme of a photo shoot you do for a final season but who knows um, it's the last supper themed and there's kind of like different things going on along the table and at the end we see Brady and Lily like making eyes at each other and this is very concerning because in the trailer they Lily announces to her parents and Anthony her like gunkle that she wants to lose her virginity and this just doesn't make sense for so many reasons because first of all the character Lily is like I thought more like reserved and like you know sweet and whatever so it just is like so you're announcing you want to have sex to these three adults like why would you do that I don't know maybe it's just for shock value I, I don't really see where they're going with that but then with that combined with Brady and her looking at each other it's like are they going to fuck and I really think this is going to happen and it's going to be devastating and heartbreaking and like 
oh, like it's just like Michael Patrick King just loves to just drag us through the mud, it seems. Like, why are you doing this to us? But you know what? Maybe it's just like I th- me and my friend were talking about. It's like uh, it's like he's experimenting with how much he can torture us because he knows we'll watch. He knows where we're going to watch. Like him and the writers know we're tuning in based on the ratings and just like how much this stirs up on social media like they see the response that's happening so really they just maybe they just love pushing us right over the edge which you know is kind of abusive but obviously we're here for it we're here to be punished i guess but yeah who knows if brady and lily are gonna fuck that's gonna be pretty you know tough tough to get through if that's what happens but it could happen ltw is wearing some big red outfit looks like valentino down the street don't know how that's worked into his storyline i feel like they're just kind of throwing her in like crazy outfits and that's just kind of who she is as a character i don't know if anyone else agrees with that but it's like that outfit she wore to that uh in the first season to like when they were all painting and she was wearing this like full-on like kind of jeremy scott safari look i wonder if it was jeremy scott but like it was like thigh high boots it fully laced up it like looks like she was going on like she was uh about to do a strip performance but she was like safari themed stripper and she was wearing that to like a charity painting event like i don't know it was just kind of weird like some of her outfit choices are fabulous but i feel like they're a bit out of context for the show they're just kind of cartoony i guess no idea what this season's really going to be about but hopefully Carrie having a lot of sex because oh they show that she is having sex with that podcast guy who was hot where it's like okay good somebody's like fucking a hot person like that for sure I wonder but then the other question is how long will that really go on for because as we see at the very end of the trailer she's like some things are best left in the past but maybe not everything and then appears Aiden And it's just funny. Well, obviously it's for the sake of the show that like they want to bring back characters that we all remember, but it's also kind of like, isn't there, I mean, I don't know. Is it sad that like Carrie just keeps going back to these men? Like what message is that really sending to people in real life? It's like, oh, maybe you really can only have two great loves like Charlotte said in that one episode. But I don't know. I wonder, will I be happy if she gets fully back together with Aiden? And I wonder also if they're just teasing Aiden and he'll really just be there for an episode. If this is just some big, you know, obviously a big like marketing stunt for the season two, but really he's not in most of it. So that's another thing that time will tell. I don't know. Anyway, I know that you guys probably have already watched the trailer a million times and uh, seen those posters. I know they've been out for a minute but I just started this podcast and I have to talk about that and of course when season two comes out I'll definitely be talking a lot about that and probably right before it comes out me and a friend have talked about recapping an episode from the first season to just you know really get in the vibe of AJLT season two so more to come on that and lastly this has also been and this is not as old as the trailer, but uh, came out like I think like a week or two ago. I was flabbergasted when I was scrolling through Instagram and stumbled upon a very interesting sponsored post by none other than Mama Chris Jenner. Mama manager Chris Jenner was hawking something called a Papadia. 
for Papa John's. It looks like Papa John's has collaborated with Doritos Cool Ranch. It's so fucking weird. Anyway, before I start talking about it more, uh, I'm going to drop in the audio from her post just so you can really hear. I know a thing or two about creating a brand, and I'm here to tell you that this new amazingly delicious idea for the Doritos Cool Ranch Papadilla was all mine. I mean, who else would come up with such a genius idea? It came to me when I was running to a meeting with one of the girls. I reached over to my purse for a bag of Doritos Cool Ranch chips as I passed by a Papa John's. I immediately stopped the car, called my kids and said, your mom just came up with the best idea ever. And here we are. I mean, look at this thing. Take it from me. Okay, that was Chris talking about the Papadilla. And yeah, it's just insane. Like, what is this collab? First of all, let's just start. What the fuck is a Papadilla? Maybe we start there. What is that? I don't eat at Papa John's. Like, I feel like I've had Papa John's years ago. And I remember thinking, like, this isn't good. Like, if you're drunk ordering pizza, it's not, it should not be Papa John's. Like, definitely go to, like, a Domino's or a Pizza Hut before Papa John's because I just feel like those are way better from my experience and I guess it's like the the reason why it's confusing is because of the spelling of Papadilla and I guess it's like Papa John's mixed with a quesadilla but then like my friend was like I think that (laughs) I think that the audience or not audience like the customer that's going to Papa John's would be a bit confused if it was actually spelled like quesadilla and Papa John's mixed together. So instead it's just P-A-P-A-D-I-A because probably that's easier to pronounce and comprehend looking at it. I don't know, it's just weird. And then, so what it is, it looks like basically just like a folded over piece of pizza, but then there's like Cool Ranch dusting on it. I don't know, maybe it's good. I feel like I definitely would have to be like blacked out in order to eat this. I certainly am not about to taste test it for you guys now because... It just seems like a lot. Like, this seems like what gamers, like, like serious gamers that are, like, you know, like, not to be cliche, but, like, living in their mother's basement and, like, like headgear on, like, you know, wearing probably just, like, just looking gross and nerdy and geeky, and then they're eating, like, their papadilla. Like, that's who I imagine is actually consuming this. So the fact that Kris Jenner is sponsoring it which then leads us to get think like okay like how the how much did you get paid for this fucking thing chris and it's like i know that kim and kylie can make up to a million dollars for paid posts so i wonder if chris's is in the realm of that and like here's the thing i get that it's like such minimal work for such a big reward but it's like do you really need that money chris like is it really worth like the kind of, like, embarrassing post. But honestly, like, whatever. I guess, like, if you're laughing your way to the bank, it really doesn't matter. And here we are talking about it, or here I am talking about it, so clearly it, you know, left a mark on me. But yeah, just so odd. But my friend did tell me that apparently Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal, is, like, a part owner of Papa John's. So maybe through, like, Tristan being in the NBA, like, the Jenners and Kardashians are in the NBA circle, Maybe that's how Chris got the in on Papa John's. But I really doubt that 
she was on her way to a meeting with one of the girls and just slammed on the brakes when she passed a Papa John's while reaching in her Birkin for a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos. Like, I'm not sure that's how it went down, Chris. And there's this hilarious comment in the comments that's like, respectfully, Chris, I've seen hostage videos that are more convincing than this, which is pretty accurate. Like, you should really go on her Instagram and watch the video because she kind of has like shifty eyes and like seems to be reading off of like a cue card or a teleprompter or something. It's really just, it's very forced and like just, it's high camp is what it is, which maybe is another reason why I'm obsessed with it because I just love anything with, you know, a significant element of camp to it. <sighs> but yeah, it's, I thought we should just end on that fun little note, Chris Jenner hawking Papadia's. I mean, honestly, maybe I'm jealous. Like, I wish I could do some spawn uh, for something that obscure for whatever insane amount of money she got paid for that. So, bless. But, um, yeah, this has been your second episode of Girl Blogger, the podcast. My name's Brett Collins. Love you guys. Next, Until next time, bye, bitches. Mm-hmm.